0: Summer's almost here. Yay, right? So when's the last time you tried on your swimsuits and summer clothes? If you could get back into summer shape in one visit, would you do it? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonobello to explain.
1: It really is quite remarkable. Sonobello doctors use a technology called micro laser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone. Permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit.
0: It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonabella locations across the U.S. And right now, you can save $250 visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores, so stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.
2: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network,
1: Kahara uses her gifts fighting alongside Lords Ram and Ra in a war that will determine the destiny of galaxies. The Chalice of Kari by Kahira O'Donnell is now available at kahiraodonnell.com or at amazon.com.
3: All Hit Radio
1: and now Exxon TV is available on Simul TV if you'd like to give us a call toll free 800-610-7035 email Exxon at com. on all social media sites Exxon Radio TV and our main website where you can listen to the Exxon 724-365 and you can also call in and listen to the Exxon On your landline or cell phone at 213-401-0080. My guest this hour is uh, Dr. Michael Santini. Uh, He began his uh, career by obtaining a professional engineering license and spending 25 years as an aerospace engineer on government space programs. With a subsequent Master of Arts in Biblical Studies from Fuller Theological Seminary and his Doctor of Ministry from San Francisco Theological Seminary, he is currently Senior Pastor and Founder of Planet Earth Mysteries, Ministries I should say, Mind you, there's plenty of mysteries here on planet Earth. Uh, he is also an author and keynote speaker. His website is www.planetearthministries.com. And doctor, welcome to the X Zone. Tell me about Planet Earth Ministries.
4: Thank you for having me on your, on your show today, Rob. Um, planet Earth Ministries uh, was founded as a result of writing uh, my book, uh, Venus Don't Go There, and it's uh, my personal ministry where I um, reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and uh, bring science and religion together um, as one, rather than being um, divisive or combative. These two fields actually work together, and my uh, ministry is uh, is aimed at showing not only um, that uh, you know the, the biblical truths of salvation, but also showing that science and Religion do work together, and uh, that's one of the differences that I think Planet Earth Ministries brings to the ministry table.
1: Now, why the switch from being a space engineer to a pastor?
4: Well, I feel like God called me to do that. I was uh, really not a believer till I was 40 years old and uh, got saved, and so I was pretty much a um, agnostic atheist and. Uh, and started reading the Bible at 40, and after I was um, had gotten divorced and was by myself, and uh, you know started going to church mm-hmm. and got very much back into the scriptures, into the knowing the Lord, and then I felt like God called me to go to seminary. So I was being an aerospace engineer and going to seminary at the same time at night. And then when I reached the retirement age, uh, early retirement age, I decided to continue to get a doctor of ministry degree. And so I have a very strong science background and um, and now a theology background. And so um, I felt like I needed to work in those fields. And uh, wow. it, a revelation came to me to examine the planet Venus as the uh, final place of perdition, as um, as hell. Uh, and so I began a fairly lengthy research project on it about 3 years ago and uncovered that at almost every single biblical scripture I can find that correlates either hell or the lake of fire the final place of, of damnation you can correlate to a biblical passage and I put that together into a book mm-hmm. and uh, I it's it's a science book in the sense that we you know in order to talk about Venus being um, the place that people go after final judgment you really need to show that science has always been there so you know, you mentioned in the beginning of your program the space-time continuum well you know cosmology teaches uh, you know that we actually the earth is the universe is thirteen point six billion years old and where we're at today uh, is a result of the uh, expansion of the universe and the uh, formation of stars and the, and the bringing together of the planets And so, you know, I do. I do show in my book that uh, the Bible does teach that, you know, if you Mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily six days of creation. The day can mean uh, yom. The the Hebrew word yom can mean um, an indefinite period of time. So, you know, you don't. There are old Earth creationists in Christianity who do believe that the Earth, the universe is 13.6 billion years old, and that the Earth is five billion years old. So we do have a. a, There is a, a. contingency of Christianity that does believe that not everybody is a six-day literal literal creation uh, Christian. Uh, All right, Dr.
1: Stan You and I have to take our first break for this uh, segment, ExON Nation. My guest this hour is Dr. Michael Santini, and we're talking to him about his book that claims that hell is on Venus. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exone with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
3: I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multi-family dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket, or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com.
1: Thanks, O Nation. Dr. Michael Santini is our special guest. He's the author of Venus, Don't Go There, What Science and Religion Reveal About Life After Death. It's available at Amazon and other online stores. And for more information about Dr. Santini, visit his website at planetearthministries.com. Okay, I'm a little confused here because I always thought that heaven was you know, above in the clouds. And hell was somewhere in the middle of Earth. How did we get from below Earth to Venus?
4: Well, your idea is correct. Right now, um, in the center of the Earth are where people who are lost are being held. That was true in the Old Testament, and that's true today. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's, co- that's technically called Hades. Um, and so people are in Hades right now, uh, awaiting final judgment, and then when they come to the earth for final judgment, when Jesus returns to the earth, uh, and uh, that day comes, people will be judged, and they will be then sent to the planet Venus, which, which is the lake of fire, um, or hell, which is I call it. So technically, uh, the people you're speaking of are in Hades, and yes, mm-hmm. the people who are saved are in heaven above.
1: All right, sir. Tell me how you got to the conclusion that hell is on Venus. S- since the Vatican, who that has a vast array of expertise at their fingertips, including their own observatory, have not come up with this this revelation, so to
4: speak. Um. Well, it's one of those kind of the. It's one of those things that are sort of right in your sight, but you mm-hmm. can't really see it. Um, You need to look at the scriptures and correlate what the Bible says, how the the Bible's description of hell or or perdition, you have to correlate that to the the planetary conditions of Venus. And if you don't do that direct correlation, you can't match it up and see it. Um, You actually have to do the work and correlate the scripture to the environmental condition on Venus. And so when you do that, you'll see, and I will go through those with you if you like.
1: I'd like to because, you know, I, I've, I myself have studied science. I've studied theology. And, uh-huh. and you know, being, being a student of, of, the, of the various religious philosophies, I find this quite astounding that over the many years of the different philosophies, this is the first time where anyone has come up with the, with the belief that Hell is on Venus. And if this is an interpretation of the Bible that is correct, what else in the Bible is wrong? And how does that give credibility to anything else in the Bible? Because if you remove one of the main one of the main girders of the philosophy, the entire philosophy falls apart.
4: Well, I would say it's that Venus being on um...
1: great news.
4: Hell being on planet Venus is shows what's right about the Bible, not necessarily what's wrong about the Bible. Because let's look at some of the scriptures. Let me go through a few of the scriptures sure. and warm you up a little bit to okay. the idea. Uh, for a long time, people could not figure out uh, when Jesus said that uh, that people would be thrown into the outer darkness, where there would mm-hmm. be weeping and gnashing of teeth, in Matthew 8:11. People could not figure out what is this outer darkness that people are being thrown into. Uh, you know, after the final judgment. Well, it turns out the outer darkness is the darkness of outer space on the way to Venus. So, where people could not figure out that being thrown into the outer darkness, uh, what that meant, it's simply, you know, when you leave this Earth's atmosphere and go out, out out into the interplanetary space, you are in a very dark place. You've seen movies where how dark um, some of the how, sure. spe- how, how how dark it is out. there. Yeah, so well, of well, the, we're
1: also we're also learning thanks to the Hubble Telescope that space isn't dark; it's anything but dark.
4: Well, the, it's got the it's well, you know, the stars are obviously bright, but the you know when, when you've got when the you galaxies,
1: travel, you you've got the nebulas, you've got so much light out there.
4: You do, you do, but you know, like if you were if we were to travel to the moon or something like that, and we we go beyond the Earth's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You would see how. How really dark it is out there! Like when you see an astronaut um, outside his spacecraft, you'll see how he's surrounded by darkness.
1: Well, that's that's how- because the cameras that they use don't have the ability to capture the the amount of light that's there. But I've seen photographs taken by excellent uh, astronomers that show the star fields. Like this sounds like one of the conspiracies: the dead man really go to the moon because on the moon there's no stars in this star field.
4: Oh, I see. Well. You know, it's kind of a relative thing, Rob. Okay. You, know, um, you know, it's pretty light down here on Earth, mm-hmm. and when we look into space, it looks pretty dark out there. So so if I was saying that, you know, you were going to be brought into outer darkness, and it was the middle of the night, or it was, it was, uh, you're on Earth, and you're looking into the night sky, you consider I probably the, the sky to be a lot darker than Earth.
1: Oh, it's darker than daytime, so we're yes. looking at yes. that so comparison, on a relative all right.
4: Basis, on a relative basis, it's dark, okay. is what I guess I'm trying to imply.
1: All right. So where else can you point to the Bible that actually says, you know what? Hell isn't beneath our feet. Hell is on another planet.
4: Well, of course, the, the, the current hell, the current Hades, Hades in the center of the earth that you're mm-hmm. referring to, Rob, which is, and you're absolutely correct, is a holding tank for lost people for final judgment. And that's where they're at right now. But after uh, Jesus returns and final judgment happens, they are then thrown into the lake of fire, which is then brought to the planet Venus. Now, I wanted to just point out that one of the most fascinating scriptures I have, Rob, absolutely fascinating, is the fact that, the, that Jesus says that you, when you're going to hell, it'll, it's call, he calls it an unquenchable fire. He mm-hmm. uses the word unquenchable. And if you look at the planets, Mercury, Earth, uh, Mars, you know, at night here, it gets cool and we, the night sky actually quenches the daytime heat. But that's not true on Venus. On Venus, the temperature remains the same, 864 degrees Fahrenheit, day and night. It is literally an unquenchable heat on the surface of Venus, and it is the hottest planet in the solar system.
1: So if Venus is hell, is it possible that heaven is a planet as well?
4: Yes. It is possible. Um, I, my second book is still in the very early phases, and I haven't really um, drawn conclusions on that mm-hmm. yet. Um, but I, you know, I have to take, I have to choose, I have to take this one step at a time. And so, um, the um, the idea that you know, when Jesus was resurrected, Rob, and he walked on this earth, people put their hands in his side, they put his hand, their hands in his, uh, into his, uh, where his uh, scars were yeah you notice that he had broken the space-time continuum jesus was actually an eternal person he had his eternal body and he was in our temporal zone he lived he was on on earth with us and yet so so his immortal body was on a planet it was on planet earth and he was demonstrating his immortality to us on earth and so all i'm doing is saying that when people get resurrected and they whether you're 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 uh resurrected mm-hmm. to condemnation or to eternal life, you will have a resurrected body. Because the Bible says every knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So this resurrected body, Rob, instead of being on the planet Earth, will have to be transported somewhere away from him uh, because they did not accept him as Lord as Lord and Savior, and he, they are brought to the planet Venus with that immortal spiritual body. So really what they're doing, they're already outfitted for the planet Venus, Rob with an immortal spiritual body. It's just that they will not be spending it on Earth, they will be spending it on Venus, which is hell. What happens
1: happens to those who don't believe the existence of Christ? What about those who believe that it's all metaphoric, that it's not real?
4: um, You mean, Either you're talking heaven and hell are not real. I'm I'm
1: talking about people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. People who believe that he was just another um, prophet. That there really is no proof he was the Son of God. You know that other people believe that here was a man who was suffering from a multiple multiple personality disorder.
4: Okay. Yeah. There's you know obviously there's we have the believers and we have the unbelievers, Rob. And there's different philosophies that people carry about that. Mm -hmm. I happen to believe that you know if you Never knew Jesus. You never met him. You mm-hmm. were raised, for instance, as an Islamic person, and you never came across the, uh, Christ. Yeah. That that you're not accountable for that. That that God will judge you on a different basis. I firmly believe that, you know, you're accountable for what you know with God, not what you don't know. And uh, and so, I'm not one of these people who condemns the I whole see. world outside of Christianity.
1: All right. If if in fact Venus is on hell. I'm sorry. Uh, hell is on Venus. How can we prove it? I mean, besides from the biblical aspects, the theological well, aspects, the philosophical aspects, where's the hardcore proof? You're a okay, scientist. Are, of, You're a scientist.
4: What, yeah, one of the one of the strongest evidences I have, Rob, mm. is, is is this: is um, the Bible says that the that the the lake of fire, it. Is a, is an unquenchable fire that burns with brimstone, which mm-hmm. is um, which is sulfur. In other right. words, this so-called place of eternal separation and torment literally burns with sulfur. Okay, and so people could not think about what kind of a place that could possibly be until you examine Venus. And when you examine Venus, you will see that you know, like on Earth, we have what's known as the water cycle and the carbon mm-hmm. cycle, which give life to us. Right. On the planet Venus, they have what's known as the sulfur cycle that planet is literally teeming with sulfur and if you dig a little bit deeper you'll the latest spacecraft that went there the um Venus Express that was launched by the European Space Agency verified about two or three years ago that the that there was lightning on the planet's surface in other words there had been previous spacecraft that thought there was lightning Venus Express verified but using whistler wave modes that there is actually lightning on planet the 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 sulfur in in one of the thermochemical zones is literally burning, Rob. So we have a planet that not only is uh, unbelievably hot, we have a planet that's literally burning with sulfur right now. I mean, it, the, the sulfur fires are continuous. If you look through a telescope at Venus at night, it, the dark side of Venus will occasionally glimmer with the flashes of lightning that are going on in the surface so it is literally a place that is burning with sulfur rob just like the bible describes
1: but what happened you know like we're, we're talking centuries ago we're talking a long time ago how do we know that this was just a misinterpretation of the translation of the bible that brimstone turned into sulfur
4: Oh, the, oh, the unquenchable fire that burns with fire and brimstone? Mm-hmm. It's its written a couple of times in Revelation. The, the, it's its stated, one of the ways that I like to verify that the Bible has some validity mm-hmm. is I like to see this passage written down two or three different places. You know, I mean, not just one spot. And there's a couple of passages that tell us that, you know, the lake of fire, which people are brought to after final judgment, burns with sulfur, and, and it, it's actually discussed in a couple of separate passages which i point out in my book
1: all right we're going to get back to your book when we get back from this commercial break with the news exxon nation dr michael t santini is our guest he's the author of venus don't go there it's available on amazon.com and other online bookstores his website is www.planetearthministries.com my name is rob mcconnell this is the exxon we'll be back on the other side of this news break don't go away Welcome back, everyone. www.planetearthministries.com is the website that our guest this hour, Dr. Michael Santini. That's his website. He's the author of Venus. Don't go there. And because, according to Dr. Santini, that is where hell is. Now, now, Dr. Santini, are there souls presently on Venus that are just burning in the lakes of fire?
4: Uh, Not yet, Rob. Right now, they're, uh, as you mentioned previously, they're actually in the center of the earth because the Old Testament tells us Mm that people go down to Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, which in the, that's the Hebrew word, but the Greek word for it is Hades. So currently, uh, the people who are lost are basically being held in Hades right now, waiting for final judgment. And that's, as you described, in the center of the earth. And I actually have a section in my book about it that talks about where it is in the core of the earth and some scientific evidence that points to the fact that voids could very well exist in the inner core of the Earth, which is an iron-nickel composite. And I do spend some time with that concept. I don't just discard it, and I, I so I go into a little bit of detail on it.
1: Tell me about your ministry, sir. How many people uh, you know participate into your your uh, your um, your services? Where are they held, and uh, how can people come down to your church or to your to your place of worship to partake in this and meet you in person
4: well thank you for that question um right now this is uh i actually got my doctorate degree about two years ago and have spent uh, all my time writing this book i am a member of uh, of a lot i'm an assembly of god minister so i'm actually a member of a larger uh, larger denomination but i i have they have not assigned me a church and i do not have a specific church so what i did was i I started, uh, you know, of course, with their permission, I started a, my own ministry. And so I have an online ministry that people go to, sort of like Joel Osteen Ministries, where you would see he has an online ministry and things like that. It's basically an online ministry where people can go. And I encourage people to learn about the Bible, learn about um, science and the Bible, and then mm-hmm. go to, to go to their own church, to find to find their own church, their own local church, where they can worship and find fellowship. So. It's really what it is, but, but Rob. It's kind of a um, a, a step between uh, finding faith and then finding a church. And so, so I fill that gap as I, you know, people want to um, mm-hmm. come to know, you know, about Bi- the Bible and science, and and so they use my ministry as a kind of a go-between, and then I encourage them to find a local church.
1: So uh, let me see. You you received your Doctor of Ministry from San Francisco Theological Seminary. Is this? Um an online seminary, or is this an actual physical seminary that's part of some ecclesiastic university or ecclesiastic association?
4: Oh, no. San Francisco Theology, Theological Seminary has been around for a long time. They're in uh, San Anselmo, California. Mm-hmm. They're um, they're part of what's the, the Graduate Theological Union Consortium of Seminaries. So, so they're a very okay. solid. I had to go to classes. I had to interface with my professors. I had to find a... Um, Someone to do my mm-hmm. uh, to support my dissertation. No, it's, and just as is Fuller Theological Seminary, right. my, or They're also a a real concrete um, buildings okay. seminary. It was all done face to face.
1: So, so how many people uh, do you have in your flock as the shepherd of the Planet Earth Ministries?
4: Okay, well, I do have I have some hits on my website. You know, this is this is very very new, Rob. I want mm-hmm. to because book just got published in December. And I, I opened up my ministry in parallel with releasing the book. And so I've, you know, obviously my fiance, Deborah, and I have a couple of associates who serve as treasurer and, and, and uh, have advised me. And so, and I've had a few inquiries on the website. Now, I'm encouraging people just to look at it. Uh, if they want to sign up for my uh, online newsletter, they certainly can. And uh, just to warm themselves up. And so actually we're in the very nascent stages of this mm-hmm. ministry, uh, and it's simply in conjunction. I wanted people to have a place to go, Rob, when they read Venus Don't Go There, and they felt like they were compelled to learn more, or you know, possibly to give their life to Christ, that I had, they had a place that they could at least look at uh, to start out, and so that's why I created that. What do other
1: members of the Theological Society think about your theory?
4: Uh, I've had a very mixed reception from uh, um, some of the pastors um, in my own congregation, Mm -hmm. and my own denomination, I mean, uh, have not been very receptive to it. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, they have beliefs about where heaven and hell is that don't necessarily align with it being a physical location. Mm -hmm. So they think it's more ethereal. Um, I, of course, with, like I said, with Jesus' body being real and material, I took exception to that. but. It's hard for people to change their ideas. When people get set in certain ways, Rob, they don't necessarily, if a good idea comes along, they don't necessarily glom onto to it. It was like when Galileo said to the Catholic Church, hey, the, the earth is not the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, the sun is, you know, the earth revolves around the sun. Well, the church didn't take that very kindly because they had already theologically determined that the earth was the center of the universe. And so Galileo was essentially... Um, told not to say that again otherwise you'd be in serious trouble so uh, it, good ideas rob don't necessarily get received by the church very well you know it has a history of that
1: so tell me are we in the end times as depicted in the book of revelations
4: we're approaching it um i'm not one of these people who think that uh, you know um we, even though we were instructed to watch out for, to watch for the coming of the lord mm-hmm. i'm not one of these people who believe it's imminent. I feel that it could be decades away. I'm not, I'm not really warm to the idea that it's happening next week or next year. Uh, I really put a little bit longer of a timetable on it right now, to be honest with you. It could be several decades away, actually.
1: With all the trouble in the world today because of religion, I'm talking about Christianity, I'm talking about Catholicism, I'm talking about uh, the, uh, our, our friends who follow the teachings of Muhammad, has it come a point in the world's history and our sociological development that we have we've lost the need for religion? That religion is more of a is more of a hindrance than it is an asset.
4: Uh, religion can be viewed that way. Uh, it really can be when you look at the religious conflicts that go mm. on, and uh, you know a lot of the infighting that you see in the Islamic faith. Uh, people really do consider it that, but but yet there is a burning desire. If you read people's books, um, there's a yearning in the heart of every individual for something more. Mm-hmm. you know um, everybody kind of wants to believe that there's something beyond our own material existence, that there's a God, that there's a deity that they can reach out to, someone that possibly loves them, that cares for them, that can see to their needs and And so even though on the large scale, people can be critical of religion, be critical Mm -hmm. of church, in the hearts of men, Rob, um, there is a place for God. And uh, and, uh, you can see it in the writings of people and in the uh, thoughts of people.
1: Is it fair to say, is it fair to say then that in today's society, certain members of the clergy have taken their, their standing in society and the trust that, people put in them to the extremes and I'm talking about the many cases of sexual abuse that have been carried out by members of the clergy. And then you know you've got all the, the inner the inner um, the inner hiding of the of the effects where they just move one priest or one minister from one place to another in order to to evade prosecution. So so how how are people supposed to respect religion when religion doesn't respect itself
4: i think i couldn't ag- i couldn't agree more rob you know um this whole incident with with pedophiles mm-hmm. and the catholic priests and stuff like that i think the whole thing was just a terrible terrible um event in 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 the history of the church um it was really a cover-up i believe uh, by men of higher authority and there's really no excuse for it and um why god allows this i don't know Uh, i know that god is there i know that god allows men even men of the cloth to do evil deeds you know and so it lost a lot of confidence in people uh, in the church i know that the catholic church lost a lot of parishioners because of this Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people lost their faith over this yet um why could why should we why could we why should we blame God or why should we uh, feel like God was part of that? Yes, God allowed that. Uh, it was wrong. Um, these men are being, if you can see, now see these men are now being prosecuted. They're now being defrocked. Uh, it is happening. you know the, the I often say the wheels of God of God grind slowly, but they do grind finally when they get down when He gets down to finally taking care of the situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see, you know, people often ask me, well, how did this Holocaust occur? How did all these millions of people, you know, get killed? And where was God in the middle of that? You know, and so I often tell them, well, you know, God sometimes lets evil, evil run amok you know, I don't understand his purposes, but in the end you see that, you know, the the perpetrators of the Holocaust were ultimately brought to justice. Well,
1: it, it seems that God has a habit of letting evil run amok. Looking through the Old Testament, you can see that with Sodom and Gomorrah, you can see that with Noah's Ark. Here we have a person who claims to be our fathers and who people revere as our father, and he destroyed an entire planet except one family. Then we look at Sodom and Gomorrah. We look at what he did to the Egyptians as, as you know, they followed Moses and those who were going across the Red Sea. How many, how many people have died in his name and yet he's a father? I'm a father and I would never ever think of doing anything that God has done to my kids except love them unconditionally.
4: Uh, I think I understand that view completely. Um, I can say this for it. When Jesus came, he was the express image of the Father, and he did bring the love that you speak about, the unconditional love. He cared for people. He healed people, and he loved people. Yet he said that our Father in heaven um, loved us. And we, we do look at the Old Testament, and we do see with, with beyond the shadow of a doubt, Rob, right. judgment. We see judgment Upon sin, and a lot of times, if you examine each of these cases, where you're talking about the the Noah's flood and the and the loss of all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives, um, you'll see that before that, people were warned, uh, you know, about their sin, about their lack of mm-hmm. um, reverence for God, about their doing, you know, and so it was a consequence of. Of, of their misbehavior that kind of drove that but okay you see I, though- I, can, I,
1: can, I can see that if a person is old enough to understand the 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 meaning of the message but when you have children who have done no harm when you have animals who have done no harm who had nothing to do with what went on when you've got people in other parts of the world that had nothing to do with the events that were happening in this one little corner of of the middle east why the entire planet in fact it seems as if the god of the new testament is a totally different god than that of the old testament
4: yeah uh, it it does look like that on the surface you know i have to admit Mm -hmm. uh, i was an unsaved man for years and i know exactly what you're thinking (laughs) so i'm not i'm not uh, alien to your concept at all Um, the fact is is that it's the same god except what you see in the new testament is the love of God. And you don't see that quite as clearly in the Old Testament. You see more of a judgmental God, a God who will send people to hell. Mm -hmm. You see a God in the Old Testament who does not tolerate sin. Uh, In the New Testament, you see Jesus as a loving person, a loving human being. And, you know, we somehow have to bring those two together because Jesus does talk about Judgment he does he Jesus is the author of hell Uh, the whole idea of of there ever being a lake of fire Was created that whole idea was created with Jesus. He's he's the author of that so at the same time he brought The idea of love and compassion and mercy. He also brought the idea of what the father did in the Old Testament So we need we need to somehow reconcile that in our mind and You if you read these scriptures if you examine them Mm -hmm. uh, you can find a bridge um, it might not be comfortable for you at first. Uh, you will see, though, that if you give it time, if you study the scriptures, if you pray, you will see a bridge uh, that connects this God of judgment to this loving, merciful Jesus that we see in the New Testament.
1: Let me ask you: Why was the Middle East picked as the the birth of birth the birthplace of Christ, the birthplace of Christianity, the place where the Ten Commandments were handed down? Why the Middle East? It makes no sense to me.
4: You know, it could have been anywhere on the planet, Rob. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And and it's in the middle of a hotbed of trouble right now. And, uh, you know, Jerusalem is probably one of the worst cities to be in. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be in that city. I'd fear for my life. And that's where it all started. That's where the, you know, that's where Jesus came to be crucified. That's where he was risen. That's where all the action took place in the New Testament. In, In and around Jerusalem or nearby but if we and, look at
1: uh, if, if we look at jesus in the non-religious fashion he was a he was a troublemaker You know, he was against the establishment he he liked to push it to the limits you know in today's society he'd be thrown he'd be thrown in jail with the key locked
4: away well um and yet we revere him we do um he was a, he was a, he was a great man of love he was he healed people, he loved people, he ministered to people um, mm-hmm. he literally he cared about people he wept over people uh, he raised people from the dead he did all sorts of miracles yet people hated him the religious people hated him because they viewed him as competition and they didn't like competition and so they had to get rid of him and so but why
1: didn't they have the foresight to understand? after reading the books up to that point that they had access to, that this was the Messiah, that this was the Son of God, and that why didn't they listen and learn? Or hadn't this story been written to that point?
4: Good point. Um, There was a man by the name of Nicodemus who was part of the high priest who did Mm -hmm. listen and learn. There were a few, but for the most part, these men had hardened hearts, um, it was something that was predicted uh, before Jesus even came in the Old Testament, that they would be their hearts would be hardened toward him.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And no matter how hard he tried, they really didn't want to have anything to do with him. They just viewed him as a threat.
1: You and I have to take our final break. Good, sir. Please stand by. Nation uh, Dr. Michael T. Santini is our special guest. He's the author of Venus. Don't go there. What Science and Religion Reveal About Life After Death. His website is www.planetearthministries.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Hey, Rob. Chasing 120 by Monty Wolverton. Get your copy today at www.ptm.org forward slash 120 or on amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll free 800-610-7035. Email exxon at com. On all social media sites, Radio TV. And you can listen to the Exxon Radio Show, 724-365 at www.exxoneradiotv.com. Dr. Michael T. Santini has been our guest this hour. His website is planetearthministries.com, and he's the author of Venus, Don't Go There. First of all, Dr. Santini, great having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your insights I, I love asking guests who write, counter, you know, who write articles or books that, that go over the edge this very question. How do you deal with the skepticism that you' that you face based on your rather unique perspective of where hell actually is?
4: Well, I'm still adjusting to that right now, Rob, since the book's only been out a couple of months, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's a little bit disappointing, I think, is what what I feel, Um, but at the same time, not necessarily unexpected because a lot of people, people don't warm up to new ideas very well. Um, I've got a pretty good uh, following, so to speak, with the younger crowd. People, you know, the late teenagers, the Mm -hmm. early 20 people who have not don't have solid ideas about theology or philosophy and they're still looking around. I'm getting a lot of interest from the younger group. Uh, some of the older people who have their minds made up so to speak uh, unfortunately as part of my uh, uh, congregate, not my congregation, but the, my, my peer group of pastors who pretty much have their mind made up. Uh, I'm not getting a very warm reception and it's disappointing but not unexpected.
1: What happens if they're right and you're wrong?
4: Well I feel like this book is giving a very good warning shot about hell. In other mm-hmm. words, it's what this book is doing. If Venus turns out not to be hell, this is what this book has done. It has shown people that there very well could be a hell because there's so many passages of Scripture that line up with this planet that even if it is, for instance, an exoplanet on another in another solar system or someplace else,
3: mm-hmm.
4: there's enough here to say, gosh i better be concerned about heaven and hell i better be concerned about eternal matters perhaps i should consider my eternal destiny perhaps i should consider jesus perhaps i should consider um church whatever you know spirituality this should turn them to to christ because there is a this is going to bring a fear to people that there Mm -hmm. could be a hell Um, just by reading the the the, uh, the close ties between this planet And what the Bible says about hell.
1: Let me ask you one final question. We've got about a minute and a half here. What was it in your life that made you find religion at such a late age?
4: What it was was um, a need. I felt, you know, after I was divorced at the Mm. age of 40, my life was empty. And I just felt like I had abandoned everything in my life, including my religious upbringing. And so I began to examine, uh, you know, different things, and I found a Pentecostal church where people spoke in tongues, where people, where the power of God was evident. And as an engineer, I needed a real tangible source of spiritual power. And so Pentecostalism converted me to Christianity by the very power I saw in their speaking of tongues and of some of their manifestations that they believe in in spiritual gifts. So that was the thing.
1: Dr. Santini, thank you very much for joining us, sir. A pleasure talking to you. I wish you success with your book, and exonation. If you'd like more information about Dr. Santini, his website is www.planetearthministries.com. And his book is entitled Venus, Don't Go There, What Science and Religion Real I Reveal About Life After Death. It's available on Amazon.com and other online bookstores. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the x with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, what can I say? It's a rather unique view. It's a view I've never heard before. And who knows? Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. We'll be back here in the x on the other side of this break. Don't go away the
0: we're going family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer
3: family
2: it looks a little different for everyone for some it's mom and dad for others roommates who feel like family